I want to I want to look tonight to the book of Mark, Mark chapter two. It's a familiar story, and I want to begin at verse one. We're going to read the first five verses. Well, let's read the first four verses. First four verses. Will you stand in reverence to the reading of the word? Mark chapter 2, beginning of verse 1. And again he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door, and he preached the word to them. Then they came to him bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. When they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was laying. You may be seated. I want to talk for the next few moments and to talk challengingly to all of us from the subject, Handling Life's Challenges. Handling life's challenges. I've come to recognize that most of us are going through some things right now. And the one problem that we all have is that we are adept at covering what we're dealing with. People have the uncanny ability of doing what one writer called wearing mask. So that we have a mask that we wear at work. So that our co-workers see what we want them to see. They only see so much of us, it is the revealed part of us that we want them to know. We have a mask, uh, saints of God, we wear at church. So that we show up in the sanctuary looking a particular way carrying ourselves a particular way and acting a certain way. We have a mask we wear when we're around our friends. In some cases, it's a little more in-depth than what we've shown to others. But yet it's a mask because it only partially reveals who we are. We only show either friend or foe that which we want them to see. We only involve them to the extent we want them to be involved. And we're careful with our mass. Uh, you, you know, uh, we have become adept. At least the ladies in here that wear makeup will understand when I say it. When you're going out to certain places, you put on certain makeup for certain places. You do your face a certain way. You, you, may, you may even put on a different lipstick for work than the lipstick you wear if you're going to hang out. But that intentional making up of the exterior at least allows you to be in control. It is that intentionality that gives you Personal agency. By agency, I mean that you now have 
the ability to fix it up or fix it down. To play it this way or play it that way. And if, if you don't want to, you don't put on anything at all. Sometimes it's because you don't care. And sometimes you just want to check to see if the person with you only cares when you're looking good. But you have intentionality attached to it. Unfortunately, sometimes when we wear masks, there's no intentionality behind it. It is the way we think we're supposed to do. We're not intending anything. Tonight on the way over to church, my wife says to me in the driveway, when I get to church, drop me off in the lower parking lot. I've got to go inside. I've got some work to get done and some faxing to do before worship. Okay, baby, I got you. I drive right to the church, and like I do every time, I turn the corner coming up the hill to the main park. She said, did you forget I got to go? I certainly did. Because my mind goes back to what I always do. No intentionality. No, no, uh, no disrespect. No, I'm just trying. I don't care about what you care about. Or I didn't listen to you. No, I heard you clear. I heard it clear. And I had every intention when I left the driveway to pull into the lower driveway when I got here. But instead, muscle memory, as we call it, to go. Some of y'all drove here tonight on muscle memory. Some of y'all went home from work today on muscle memory. You don't even know you did it. Sometimes you get to the spot where you're going to and you realize you're there and you have no clue what you, what you did to get there. You don't even remember the drive. And I've come to realize that we're like that in many areas of our lives. And when it comes to handling challenges, we... We don't talk about it. We don't say anything. Nobody knows. We've got the Paul Robinson song in our heart. Nobody knows the trouble I see. Nobody knows my sorrow. We, we can sing that Negro spiritual. We can pull it together. The reality is that we don't handle life challenges very well. We're often thrown off by what we have to deal with. I don't know. I look at this text. I have read this text and preached this text in the last 40 years of my life more times than I can even recall. But when I read it the other day, I saw something different. Because normally when I read it, I skip to the last seven verses. Because the real story, of course, is the fact that they get him to Jesus and Jesus takes control. And that's where the preaching happens. That's where the shout is. They get him to Jesus. Jesus speaks to the man. Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Come on, take up your bed.
you're healed. Walk. A whole lot happens before your sins get forgiven. Okay. Do me a favor. Do me a favor. Uh, five of you brothers run up here for me real quick. Just come up here real quick. Come on, come on. And let me take the old man. Come on, old man. Dick is 80 years old. He said, thank God for that. Would you get that chair back there for me? Just grab a chair and let Dick sit in it. Huh? Would y'all pick him up? Yeah, no, no. Pick, sit him down and just pick him up. What, what, are, you, what are you going to hold for? What you, what, what you, you a little nervous? You think they might drop you? He said, he said, if they drop me, I'll just go home and see the master. When, when you have to get picked up, you have to get yourself ready for the pickup. You don't just get picked up. You got to get your mind right. Y'all put him back down. See, that was easy. That was easy. You know why? He said a lot of people would have been scared. But God knows I wasn't scared. Some of y'all, if I told you to sit in that chair right now, your first thought would be, I don't know if these brothers can hold me up. Your second thought would be, I don't want to fall. Your next thought would be, I don't know what Bishop's going to do and I don't want to look foolish. Because I have no idea where this illustration is going to. Do me a favor again. Y'all going to catch him? Will y'all catch him? Might, you might? Yeah. Well, Dick, just fall backwards. <laughs> there you go. Come on, come on Dick. Dick hesitated for one second. He was like, uh, hey, wait, whoa. And then he said, Father, did our hands, I commend my spirit. Thank y'all. Make me feel good. I want to tell you something. Every time I looked at the text, the text stands out with the four men to carry and with the Jesus that heals. What I rarely look at is the man being carried. And from his perspective, I want to take a moment and talk about from the perspective of a paralytic. Can, can you imagine? Watch where I'm going, y'all. The Bible doesn't give us any indication as to what caused him to be a paralytic. It doesn't tell you what happened to him. Was it an accident? Mephibosheth, we know, was, was a paralytic or a paralytic type person, but we know he had been dropped. And that's why he couldn't walk. We have no idea whether he was dropped, whether something went on in his life, whether some issue happened, what took place to put him there. What we do know is he was there. 
And I'm glad about that because I hate for people to always want to conclude that they know what somebody else is going through or why they're going through it. Because you don't know. And I want to tell you something else. I'm going to give you all some good, real good religion advice. There are some things that fall in the category of none yet. And you ought to respect my nunya like I need to respect your nunya. Y'all missed out. I know it went over somebody's head, so let me talk to the folk on this side. Nunya mean none of your business. Ask me how I got here. Jesus looked at him and said, your sins be forgiven. Ain't, no, ain't your issue what sin, if there was any sin at all. Or if the man was just thinking that something went wrong, they put him in that place. And he needed to hear the Lord tell him that it had been forgiven. None of your business. And I'm glad about that. Look at somebody now. Say, neighbor, what you're going through has nothing to do with me. But I'm willing to help you. I, um, I can only imagine him sitting there. And, uh, y'all, y'all, let me work with this for a moment. He there. He's probably laying down, but I'm going to sit in the chair, y'all. He's there. And all he can do is watch. Y'all, walk, 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 walk. He just watching able-bodied people Walking by him. Can't do nothing. These folks are able bodied. I can't move. I can't help myself. I can't get up. I can't do anything about it. Oh, he, that brother even got a little pep in his step. Gonna jog on me. Digging Wilson, how old are you now? Digging Wilson, 77 years old. I, I got, he got 30 years on me, and I'm still sitting here. And he walking by me. I'm watching able-bodied people do what I can't do. Walk the way I can't walk. Laugh the way I haven't been laughing. I ain't been to nobody's place to have a laugh yet. Nobody took me out to dinner. Nobody asked me to go hang out at the club. Nobody invited me over popcorn. The Super Bowl went on and off, and I never even heard it was on. They just had a good old time. They just able-bodied. And I want to say something about this. Able-bodiedness is my word for the folk that have what you don't have. They got it. They, it everything is honky-dory, but I'm miserable. But I'm miserable. I'm going through. Nobody sees me crying. Because I wait till I get home. No one knows that I was upset he walked by me because I act like I wasn't looking. I didn't want to see him walk by me. New shirt. 
Matter of fact, can't stand him. Look at them shoes. My shoes ain't even run over because I can't run. He feeling good. Look at him giggling. He probably laughing at me under his breath. No good hush puppy. Here I am. I'm sitting. I'm stuck. And now all of a sudden, while I'm still sitting, y'all four come back up here. You come here, come here, man. Come here. Come here. Come here. They come up. I'm not going to ask y'all to pick me up. No, 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 no. All of a sudden, while I'm still sitting, they decide that they're going to come around me and do something about my situation. Mm -hmm. They can't help me, but the door of the church has been opened. And there's a word from the Lord going on at Simon Peter's house, probably. They're in Capernaum. The door is open. Jesus is sitting there teaching. And they decide they're going to come over to me. They didn't go to the meeting. They didn't go get a front seat. They didn't go get up close. No, they said, I'm going over there where you are. Because all the days I walked by you, I couldn't do anything about your situation. But I just found out that there's a healer in town. There's a deliverer in town. There's a savior in town. And I'm not going to walk by you and go hear him knowing that you need to get to him. I'll get you in a minute. I ain't going nowhere. But the one thing I got to tell you is, the longer you've been sick, the longer you've been going through, the longer you've been crying, the longer you've been miserable, the longer your head's been down, the more you start thinking, this is my life. This is my way. I don't deserve any better. If I'm like this all this time, God must have put me here. And I'm just supposed to suffer. Because I'm nobody. That's why they walk by me, because I'm nobody. Because if I was somebody, they'd at least wave. That's why they walk by me, because I'm nobody. I don't count. They walk by me because I don't count. I'm no count. And the first thing you have to learn when you're handling life's challenges is that you're valuable. You're valuable. Yeah, valuable. See, if you don't know your value, if you don't know your worth, if you think you're worthless, even when somebody wants to bless you, you won't be ready to receive it. You have to realize I have value. I have value. See, you've got to realize I am fearfully 
and wonderfully made. I'm talking to somebody right now because the devil's been trying to talk you out of your blessing. I am fearfully and wonderfully made and God doesn't make any junk. I am the image of God because I've been made in his divine image. I'm okay. I'm blessed. There's a value to my life. Can I tell you the first trick of the enemy that brings people down in their spirit to help them to weigh low in their mind? The first trick of the enemy is to cause you to devalue yourself. See, we used to say um, we worked on teen pregnancy and we statistically we discovered, not my discovery, but discovery in the land is that when a girl knows that she has a future and that college is in front of her and that there are some things ahead of her, she's more likely to be cautious in her social life because her future looks so bright so that people can't just blow her head up. You can't just make her think she's something that she's not. You know, this series with R. Kelly has been on. If you haven't seen it, don't watch it on a full stomach. because you... The way he has learned how to degrade women is the trick of the enemy. One girl said, R. Kelly is an artist, but Robert is the devil. Let me tell you, let me tell you about that, Robert. That, that man knows how to pull the self-esteem and the heart of joy out of an individual and to get them so low that they voluntarily allow him to degrade them. Don't you think that's not from the mastermind of Satan himself? If he can pull your value out of you and cause you to forget who you are in God and take you away from the plan of God for your life, all of a sudden you give up on future because you start thinking you're a failure. The enemy wants you to believe you're a failure. He doesn't want you to know your worth. Look, look at someone right now. Say, neighbor, you have worth. You have value. I'm talking to somebody tonight. I'm talking to somebody tonight. Whether it's in this room or on the podcast, I'm talking to somebody. I'm talking to somebody. I don't care what the enemy tries to tell you. I don't care how the devil tries to pull you down. You have value. How do I know that? Because see, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Which means that whatever condemnation you think devalues you, the Lord said, I didn't come worrying about that. I came to save you. 
I love you enough that I'm willing to die for you. I think you're precious enough that I'll die for you. Uh, not only is it that you need to know that you value, this is going to be hard for somebody right here. I, I'm going to walk down somebody's street for a moment, but, but don't get upset. Don't get upset. At some point, you're going to have to learn how to be vulnerable. Vulnerable. Vulnerability. Reverend, what do you mean? Be vulnerability. See, you, you need help. And you need to get it. But the one thing I can tell you is this. You cannot afford to be fake. Don't be fake. Don't, don't, don't try to be, put that slide up on there if you don't mind. Don't, don't be fake. Don't, 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 don't act like what you're going through is not what you're going through. Don't, don't, don't be fake. Don't, don't let the world think that everything is everything when you know everything is not everything. You know stuff is not right. Don't fake being okay. You only hurt yourself. Be real with what you're going through. Just don't let it consume you. Need balance. Don't fake it. I know folks say fake it till you make it, and there may be some instances where that's right. But sometimes we fake too much. You go to the doctor, something really hurting, and you don't tell the doctor because you're scared. I was watching uh, a rerun of Dr. Pimplepop for the other night because I had nothing to do. The guy had a big old knot right in the forehead, sit up his head, big old knot. He's in that knot on his head. How long you had it? Years. Why haven't you gone to the doctor? Well, I wear a hat all the time. Now, that ain't the truth. How long you had it? Years. Why haven't you gone to the doctor? Well, there's a history of cancer in my family. And I just didn't want to know. Let me tell you something. There are times in your life when you need to stop acting like everything's okay. You have to go ahead and say, you know what? This doesn't feel good. This hurt. Some of your mates don't even know how stuff hurt you that they've said to you. Because you keep taking that crap and you won't even bother to say, you know what? That, that, that hurt me that time. I know we always play like that, but that, that one hurt. I know you always make fat jokes, but, but that one didn't, that didn't feel good. I wasn't feeling good about myself anyway today. And that joke right then just, it, 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 it struck my heart. I know, I know we always joke about my hair, but, but today was not the day. I've been working on my hair for the last two hours. I can't get it to function right, and I'm already messed up. And now the first thing you do is you come and making a joke about my hair. This wasn't the day for that. No, go on without me. Where you going? I'm going back to bed. I'm going to have a good cry. No, and because you won't speak up and be honest, 
folk don't know what you're dealing with. You're walking around a, the walking wounded. You think you're supposed to be a wounded healer. You're the walking wounded. And you act like you're supposed to be the wounded healer. At some point, you've got to be vulnerable enough to say, this ain't working for me. It ain't going to change till you change. Oh, Reverend, what you talking about, man? Well, let me help I um, I, You know, Donnie McClurkin was here with us a few months ago. Um, and he came, did a wonderful job. Sang his baguska. Man, that Donnie could sing. I don't know if y'all heard, Donnie McClurkin got in an accident recently. And uh, he got in a terrible car accident. He nearly lost his life. He, uh, he had flew back from... I think it was from Nigeria into New York. And then he gets in the car, he's driving, and he passes out. Someone follows him, and he just swerves. Finally, he wrecks the vehicle. And God pulls him out. He gets out of the vehicle. They, they, he, he, miraculously, he goes to the hospital. He gets stitches. He's been spared by God. The next day, he's supposed to fly out to, I think it's like Kenya or somewhere. Now, they tell him, but pastor, don't get on the plane. You can't fly another 16 hours to a foreign country and try to go minister and sing again when you've just been through what you've been through. You, you, they don't even know why you passed out. They don't even know what, what happened to you, pastor. You need to stay home. This is his testimony, not mine, so I'm not lying on the man. I'm telling his story, and I'm telling it with love. Donnie said he got on that plane, and he said, and all the way, God punished him from the time he got on that plane to the time he got off. Now, my question was, how did God punish you? He said, with pain. He hurt from the moment he got, let me tell you something. Just because you're in a leadership position doesn't mean even you need to be vulnerable and to recognize your frailty. See, see, you know, okay, I know this is going to bother somebody, but see, we like to act like we got it all together. We go to the bathroom, our stuff don't stink. We wake up in the morning, we don't even need mouthwash. No sense in us using deodorant, we smell like flowers. We act like we got it all together, that we don't need anyone. Sometimes we've got to learn how to get our pride out of the way. And say, I need help. I'm going to try not to go on too long tonight. But y'all can tell I can go with it. Let me tell you something. Until you recognize your own vulnerability. Until you recognize you need help. In your own life. You'll never get it. You know that man could have sat there. 
that day the four brothers walked up to him and said, uh, no, 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 I, don't, don't bother that. I, I don't want to make a spectacle out of myself. I'm talking to somebody now. Listen to me. Look at me. Look at me closely now. I don't want to make a spectacle out of myself. I don't want anybody to see me. I can't walk up there. I don't want anybody to see me being carried. I don't want anybody to know how bad my situation is. I'm not going to be made a laughing stock. Admitting his need was the same as recognizing his own vulnerableness. And that's what set him up for his miracle. See, quit talking about you worrying about what somebody else thinks or what they're going to say if you get help. Who cares? You know, I get tired of worrying about what other people think. Ain't got heaven or hell to put me in. Come on. You've got to recognize that you, it, it had to be scary when they walk up to him and say, we're going to pick you up. But he has to allow himself to be picked up. Last, last point, and I'm going to my seat with this one. I'm, I'm really done. I'm, really done. I'm, just, I'm just setting it up. You can see I'm going somewhere. Last thing, we all need volunteers. Yeah. Those friends were powerless when it came to healing him. But they were powerful when it came to getting him to healing. They were powerless when it came to healing. They could not fix him. We don't have the answer. But there is an answer. And we can get you to Jesus. We may have to go through something to get you there, but we can get you to Jesus. And if we get you to Jesus, he is a healer. He is a deliverer. He is a way maker. You know, you know, sometimes, we don't realize that as much as we need angels in our lives, we also need to be angels. Two weeks from now, on Sunday, I'm going to tie all this in because I'm going to talk about how to set up your own favor. In two weeks. Two weeks, two weeks. Now this Sunday, two weeks. I got another one for this Sunday. Two I'm talking about how to set up your own faith because, see, see, the more you act angelic, the more blessings going to come to your door. Somehow, unbeknownst to him, God had positioned those four to be there and to pick him up. And I believe that there have been times in everyone's life where God has positioned people to bless us. And there have been times when we have got the blessing 
and other times when we rejected the blessing because we didn't want to be a burden. We don't want to bother nobody. But there are times when we've got to know, yes, I do need help. Yes, I need this blessing. Yes, I need you to pray me through tonight. I need prayer warriors to undergird me and bring me to the throne of grace. I'm reaching out because I need somebody who can get a little higher than I can get, who can walk a little faster than I can walk, who can pick up a load and help me bear my burden. I need somebody to get me to Jesus. And the one thing he needed was somebody that had power that he didn't have. Power of intercession. Power to break through. Literally break through. Y'all missed that. You missed your shout right there. Because God got somebody who has breakthrough anointing that's willing to tear the roof off if that's what it takes to get you to Jesus. Maybe one day you'll be in the position to be a roof-tearing volunteer. Maybe you'll be one day in the position to be a roof-tearing volunteer where you'll tear the roof off and you'll get somebody closer to the throne of grace where God can have mercy upon them and heal them. Somebody give God a praise.